he'll be in the box a lot more, get more touches in the box, and he'll have more focus on scoring goals. Uh, the player I, I described him as reminding me of is probably Diego Costa. Uh, Diego Costa with an additional burst of speed. I actually think that leaves Liverpool short on the left because I don't think playing on the left particularly suits Shotter. I feel the balance of the attacking players isn't as good as it would have been last season, if that makes sense. I'll, I'll give a name first before I, I'll give some traits. I think Jude Bellingham. I think this guy is just uh, absolutely tailor-made for the Klopp system. For as fit as he is for his age, I did think he looked like he was running through custard at the end of last season. I think this is a bold chart, but I think he's going to be regarded as one of the best centre-backs in Europe by the end of this season. It doesn't always work like that. Martin appeared in more podcasts than most people last season, but he still, you know, he didn't really get himself going at any point, even though he was on most words. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't always work. It doesn't work in every facet of life, that's for sure. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. We've got a special summer series where we're going to preview all of the big six ahead of the new season, starting with Liverpool, and then we'll move on to Spurs and Man City next week before covering Chelsea, Arsenal, and even Manchester United at the end of the month. I don't know how they're still in there, to be honest. We could be previewing anyone, but we are going with Manchester United still. We've got Raj from Premier League panel joining Josh and myself. Raj, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to previewing your boys, Liverpool? Yeah, it should be a good one. Exciting transfer window, so plenty to talk about. Okay, I've got I've got some thoughts on on Liverpool. I'm not sure it's as exciting as you think it is, but we'll we'll go through it during the show. Josh, you good? All good. Looking forward to be talking about football after enjoying not having to talk about football for a few weeks. So yeah, good raring to go now for the new season. I mean, to be fair, even when I'm not doing podcasts and I'm not talking about football, I'm probably talking about football with someone somewhere. Let's start off then with the transfer window assessment. Josh, I'll come to you first because I think you've got some stats because who's good do actually cover the Portuguese league. Who is Darwin Nunes? What is he and where will he play? It was, I was asked that question as if I don't know any of those things. I do know them. That was just what was in the script. I was just reading them. I do know who Darwin Nunes is. I do know he played for Benfica and I do know he's a striker. But yeah, I'll let you carry on, Josh. <laughs> he's obviously, he obviously arrives as a, as a club record signing for Liverpool. Um, and I guess Liverpool fans know exactly, they got to see exactly what sort of player they signed when they faced Benfica in the Champions League last season. I, I sort of got sort of Cavani, Luis Suarez vibes from him. I guess the, the long hair helps him with the Cavani comparisons, but he also has that bullishness and that direct play that Suarez had that Liverpool fans obviously saw for, for many years at Liverpool. Um, but yeah, he obviously he scored 26 goals in the Portuguese league last season. He finished with six in the Champions League as well. That was his debut in the competition. As many goals as Ronaldo and Mbappe scored. But I think what was most impressive about him in the Champions League, that he scored his goals against Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Liverpool and Ajax, who between them have, who have won 21 European Cups. Which, so at 23, he's he's already used to the big stage. Um, and I think that that's really, that puts him in a really good place coming to Liverpool, where they're expected to challenge for silverware in all competitions. Um, I looked into uh, the top-rated new signings uh, this summer so far. Uh, as you said, we cover the Portuguese League, and that's the sixth. Uh, top-rated coefficient league, so I, look, I, I widened the parameters and included that. Uh, he's actually the top-rated new signing so far this summer, actually ahead of Erling Haaland, who's ended up at Manchester City. So, and there's obviously going to be a lot to talk about about how those two get on so far this season. But I'm sure Raj has has some great insight into what he what we can expect to see, where he'll play. Um, and where he'll fit in in this front three. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Raj? Because, you know, Man City and Liverpool generally over the last few years, they've, they've been the trendsetters, whatever they do system formation-wise, tactic, tactically. 
other teams tend to tend to follow suit in, in England. So it's interesting now that both are going back with proper number nines and, and that's what it'll be for Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. As you say, it's a big departure for Klopp, especially since he's come to Liverpool. We obviously used Firmino as a false nine. He's then latterly used Diogo Jota and Sadio Mane, who are more natural wingers as number nines. Darwin is definitely more of that traditional number nine. You won't see him dropping as deep as someone like Firmino in between the lines. He'll be in the box a lot more, get more touches in the box, and he'll have more focus on scoring goals. Uh, the player I, I describe him as reminding me of is probably Diego Costa. Uh, Diego Costa with an additional burst of speed. I think like Costa, he's got that powerful running style. He loves either running at or behind centre-backs in that kind of inside left channel, which you saw Costa do all the time. Um, and then even how he kind of opens up his body from that left-hand side of the box kind of area and finishes is very similar to Costa. So, yeah, I see a lot of similarities between the two. Um, and I think, uh, as Josh mentioned, he's had, he's had some good pedigree in the Champions League. And those were the games really that caught my eye. I think he's, he, he, he's, he's come up in tussles against some very good centre-backs. For example, in the Barcelona match, Ronald Araujo came up against uh, Darwin Nunes. I, I rate Araujo very highly. Uh, he's actually Nunes' countryman as well for Uruguay. Uh, and uh, Darwin won a lot of those 1v1 tussles with him because he's so aggressive and so powerful with his running style. And the same with actually Ibrahim Kanate against Liverpool. He didn't really dominate Kanate, but he did win a fair share of duels. And that takes some doing against someone as powerful as Kanate. Um, and unlike some number nines, I'd say he's not that service reliant. He's not a guy who just stands in the box waiting for chances to fall at his feet. He'll try and make stuff happen himself. Uh, and I think that's important. He can either carry the ball or he can manipulate situations in the box where he can get a finish off. Uh, and that's due to that powerful style he's got and aggression. And also his finishing is, is pretty good. Uh, there was one against Allison in the second leg, I think it was, where he managed to... Uh, get the ball in, a, in an inside left area again and somehow managed to dink it over Allison. And his finishes like that are quite um, impudent, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of skill there in his finishing. I think that might lend itself well to Liverpool. They've not really had that kind of figure for a long time. I think the the battle you raised with Canate there is re a really good what, a good example because Canate, the impact he, he made for Liverpool last season, he, he was almost faultless. Uh, and he obviously, he, he did win some duels with, with um, Nunez. But Nunez also won won his fair share as well, and I think it was one of the goals he scored. I can't remember what what leg it was, but it went through Canate's leg, mm -hmm. through his legs as he tried to clear it, and then Nunez capitalised and scored. But uh, and I imagine it's just his presence being there because he's such a a buzz of, a buzz of energy that probably forced that mistake from Canate. But yeah, it's going to be great to see him challenging against the best centre backs in the Premier League on a weekly basis. You have got Thiago Silva, Ruben Diaz, those sort of characters. It'll be great to see how he gets on against those players. Yeah, Diego Carlos and Tyrone Mings as well. I've got a theory. This is this is my theory. I think if Liverpool sell Firmino and sign Nunes, I think their squad's much improved. But it kind of feels like it's come at the expense of Mane. And although Nunes is obviously coming in with the pedigree that we've already discussed, I actually think that leaves Liverpool short on the left. Because I don't think playing on the left particularly suits Shotter. But then only got really Diaz, who I would say that's that's his best position on the left. So out of the you know, the front three positions. I know they've got other people knocking around the squad as well. Carvalho, who will come on to, he could possibly play there as well. But I feel the balance of the attacking players isn't as good as it would have been last season, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think it's as clear-cut at the moment with what we're going to see from Liverpool. Whereas previously, last season, you knew exactly how they were going to play. 
Um, so there's obviously going to be a big shift to begin with anyway. And, and Nunez, as, as Raj said, he does like to peel off into those left side channels. So it'll be interesting to see how Klopp manoeuvres that because obviously Diaz likes to operate in quite a similar area too. Um, and I don't know whether that's a change in formation or getting someone that plays in a 10 to, to push up and fill the holes that Nunez vacates centrally. I don't know. It's going to be, it's, going to, it's interesting to, to find out as we, as you said at the top of the show, they are the trendsetters at the moment in European football um, with Manchester City and both have gone a completely different way this summer. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how, how they fit in and if it works. Mo Salah, new deal. Probably people thought it might run on a little bit longer. I mean, the saga does feel like it's been going on for a long time, but it, it's happened recently. How do you feel about that three-year deal? Is it, is it the right move? Yeah, I think it's definitely the right move. I think with Mo Salah, you've obviously he, you've obviously got a guy. He, he's a phenomenal goal scorer. He's shown that throughout his time. But also, I think we've seen an upwards trajectory in other parts of his game. For example, this season or last season, he, he was the top assist maker in the Premier League as well. He's gone up a level in terms of his creative ability. I think even after AFCON, where his performances definitely did dip and he looked fatigued, you saw his creative side of the game come to the fore. Villarreal in the Champions League semi-final, he assisted two goals in that in that tie. Uh, even at the Etihad in the big title uh, crunch match they had in April, I think it was, he assisted a brilliant goal for Mane. So I think this guy is adding new facets to his game. He's definitely still on that upwards trajectory. Where someone like Mane, that was the debate really. Do you renew Mane, Salah or both? Someone like Mane, I think you've seen a dip in his all-round game since probably August 2020. Uh, after Liverpool won the title, he's not been as explosive. His 1v1 dribbling, which used to be the best part of his game, has diminished slightly and he's become more of a penalty box player, Sadio Mane. Well, I think Mo Salah is on that upward trajectory in terms of his overall game. Um, so I think Liverpool have made the right move there. Uh, and if you had to pick one, I would have renewed Salah personally. And I think Salah as well, there's something about his physical shape and his mentality. Well, I think he's in that kind of Benzema, Lewandowski, Cristiano Ronaldo kind of mould where he'll yeah. keep on going into his late uh, mid-30s, probably, at a top level. There's that hunger about him. He's always talking about individual records and also team trophies. I think he's got that in him to ca- carry on. I think he started at least 30 uh, Premier League matches every season he's been at Liverpool. So as Raj said, he's he, he's not shown any signs of physically declining. Um, he obviously he takes amazing care of himself to play that many games. And I think... He hate he hates being dropped. He hates re- being rested. He he wants to play every game. He wants to score every goal. Um, and for Liverpool in the Premier League, he's he's actually had a direct hand at 164 goals in 180 Premier League appearances. Uh, in that time, he's up there with De Bruyne and Harry Kane as the top-rated players in the division. Um, and I think I think everyone expected there to be one departure this summer. There's obviously Firmino as well as obviously into the final year of his contract. Um, and I probably would have actually guessed Salah probably at the start at the start of the year, that he would have been the one to go. Um, but it's Mane that's gone. And I think if you look over the base of the last 18 months, as Raj touched on, Mane's form hasn't... He's had a terrific 2022, but over the last 18 months, there has been a decline. And Salah, who hasn't been as impressive in 2022, is has generally been one of the best players in the world. So I do think it was the right, the right decision from Liverpool. I guess the only problem is what it means, because they've shattered their way structure to keep him, what that might mean later on. But definitely for now... No-brainer for me. Fabio Carvalho and Calvin Ramsey have come in, Raj. Probably not massive expectations on these guys, young boys coming into their, their first season, but you know, there hasn't really been a back at right-back 
at Liverpool and Carvalho has had a good time at Fulham. As, as, he's a good player. Looks like he's, he's got a lot of stuff in his locker. Happy with those two signings? Yeah, I think they're two good signings. As you say, Dan, there's no pressure for them to come in and hit the ground running. They can just be nice squad additions to start with as Klopp kind of develops them. Uh, Klopp's renowned for really taking time to integrate players. And I think that'll work with these two. Carvalho, as you say, a very exciting player. He's quick. He's a good dribbler. I think he's also shown this ability to make third man runs into the box and scored quite a few goals for Fulham by doing that. He's finishing. That actually looks quite accomplished for, uh, for a 19-year-old lad. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier, he could play a bit on the left wing of a front three but, uh, as a backup to Luis Diaz. Or I might, I'm quite interested to see whether he might play that more advanced attacking right-sided number eight role in the midfield three for Klopp. Uh, making those runs into the box, dribbling from those areas. And we saw Klopp use Harvey Elliott in that role at the start of last season before his injury against Leeds. So I'm wondering whether there might be a role there for Cavalio in that in that position. Um, and as you say, Ramsey, uh, Trent's not had any uh, much of a backup. He had Neko Williams for a time, but he didn't really produce the same kind of style of play as Trent. Ramsey, I haven't seen loads of the guy, but from what I hear and what clips I've watched, he, he does have that kind of stylistic similarity to Trent in terms of his delivery into the box is actually pretty good. And the, and the Scottish uh, youth teams are quite excited about his development. So maybe this is another find like Costa Simicas uh, was for Liverpool on the left-hand side as backup to Robertson. But Ramsey might be another one that the scouting department has come up with um, to challenge Trent and maybe push him to new heights because that's what Simicast is and I think Robertson felt yeah. that competition and he had to elevate his game as a result of that so it could be a good buy What are we looking at then for an overall grade for Liverpool's transfer window then Josh? I'm going to give them a B simply because I do feel like they're short in midfield which I guess we'll probably come on to in the next yeah. section when you look at Manchester City have just signed Calvin Phillips to replace Fernandinho mm-hmm. um in to go in with the players that they already had in those positions. I just don't think Liverpool can compete in that area at the moment. And it sounds as like they're not going to even try and compete for another midfielder this this summer. If Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho, if they come on leaps and bounds, then that's great. But I do feel that they're a bit short there. So I've only gone for a B. Yeah, I have to agree. It's B as well. I think that is the biggest area of improvement in the Liverpool squad. I mean, you're nitpicking really when you're hitting 90 plus points in the Premier League. Yeah, but that sure. is the kind of margins with Manchester City you're facing with. I think Man City have improved the main weakness in their team with Erling Haaland as a goal scorer in those kind of games, which frustrated them like Palace and Southampton. But Liverpool's main area of weakness, I think, was the midfield. They did lack a bit of control in midfield at times and a bit of attacking productivity as well. So, yeah, I can only give it a B. Let's look then now at the concerns that we have. We've just touched on them a little bit. Will they regret not signing another midfielder? Is it is it going to cost them, Raj? Because I think if you look at the, the starting three, I mean, Henderson is obviously coming towards the end of, of his career now. But Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago, it, it's a brilliant midfield. Thiago suddenly not there sometimes, or Fabinho even isn't there. I don't think there's the same quality to come in, whereas, as we've just said, with Man City... I think they probably do have the quality to bring in in central areas if someone's missing. Yeah, Dan, I think you're spot on there to point about Thiago's availability. I've got a stat here, actually. Liverpool dropped points in 10 Premier League games last season, eight draws, two losses. In eight of those 10 games, they came when one of Thiago or Naby Keita weren't playing on the left side of that midfield. And I think that is the crucial role in the Klopp system, 4-3-3. Uh, for Liverpool, because that left side of number eight role is both tasked with controlling games in possession, but also defensively sitting alongside Fabinho and providing that extra protection. And so when one of those two weren't starting, and that's very often because these two guys are both injury prone, um, I think games became too chaotic. 
And I think you saw that in some of the big six games. Liverpool did, sorry, not big six, big four games uh, against the rest of the top four. Liverpool didn't win any of those games. And some of them were very chaotic. If you remember the game at Stamford Bridge, Liverpool were 2-0 up. Then the midfield, had didn't again, didn't have Thiago Keita starting. And they lost control of the match. Chelsea dominated it with Kovacic and Kante. Same happened at Anfield. Liverpool went up twice with Mo Salah brilliance. But they then squandered those leads again. The midfield weren't tracking runners defensively. And it, again, it was more of an end-to-end game. There was no control there. And again, it happened again at the Etihad. Um, Man City's midfield ran all over them. Kevin De Bruyne was phenomenal that day. Uh, and Liverpool didn't really have a response. So, yeah, I think that that is a main concern for Liverpool. Look, I looked into um, their matches against the rest of the top four. And in five of the six games, they had to use a different midfield three. Tyler Morton even started in one. Thiago only started in two. And I think that's the control where they were lacking, obviously, Thiago not being there. Um, and I broke down Liverpool's midfield last season by the percentage of minutes that they played in the Premier League. Um, so Jordan Henson featured in the most. He featured in 76% of their Premier League season. Then it was Fabinho at 68%. And then Thiago's third at just 45%. Naby Keita only 34%. And I think if you're looking at well, it's the reliability issue that they have there. And I think they've been linked to, to Jude Bellingham. Just by contrast, he played in 93% of Borussia Dortmund's uh, Bundesliga campaign last season. So it's I think that's where the fine margins are. You're finishing one point behind Manchester City. And these are th- these are the things that matter. Not having, having Tyler Morton, who could grow into be a fantastic player. But having him starting in one of the top four games is probably just not ideal. And Thiago only starting in two again, obviously not ideal. Um, I do feel that... If it, they're probably not going to address that situation this summer. They look, they want to wait for Jude Bellingham next year. And I think that could, again, cost them quite dearly this this season. And, and Josh, that, that availability factor comes back to the man they let go, who was the most available midfielder for Liverpool, Jeannie Wijnaldum. He wasn't replaced last summer. I came on a similar pod last summer expressing that concern, not replacing Wijnaldum being a key factor. He did offer that control. He's a guy who can keep the ball in a phone box, really. And defensively, he's fantastic. And he's still not been replaced. And I do find that a bit strange, to be honest, when he's the guy who played most most games for Liverpool in midfield and you decide to let him go but not replace him. So, yeah, if they do that again this summer, then it could uh, rear its head again. It's a lot to be said for waiting for the right player. I actually kind of respect that that transfer ethos, not buying someone for the sake of it. But you could say there's an argument. Ryan Adams obviously not getting much football at PSG. Did he try and loan him for a year while you wait that year for Bellingham? Because Bellingham's probably going to come in next summer. I think probably an argument there that Liverpool should try that, but it doesn't really feel like their style. I think it comes down to as well who Klopp seems to trust in midfield. Doesn't He went off Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott towards the back end of last... Well, Harvey Elliott was injured for most of it, but didn't seem to really fancy Curtis Jones. Oxley chamberlain barely featured. Um, Milner actually featured in more of the season than than Oxlade-Chamberlain and obviously they've just given another one-year deal to Milner um, who I thought for as fit as he is for his age I did think he looked like he was running through custard at the end of last season um, but yeah I don't know I don't know if you're keeping Milner around could you not have maybe got rid of him or, and got someone else in I don't know like time will tell but it does feel like they're a little bit like there. Let's look now at what we think the best eleven is going to be for Liverpool this season. Raj, have you got a team there? Yeah, so obviously Alisson, there's no 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 debating that one. And then Trent at right back. The right-sided centre-back role is probably the one with debate. Canate, Matip and even Joe Gomez. Canate uh, and Matip shared the minutes last, last season. But I think... Canate will start most of the Premier League matches uh, this this season. I think you should, saw, saw him develop 
as the season went on. He was fantastic, I think. I thought um, in the end, in, the, in that title running and in the Champions League running, even in the Champions League final, I thought he was one of Liverpool's best performers to keep Vinicius fairly quiet outside of the goal. Um, so yeah, and then Van Dijk partnering him, uh, Robertson. Um, yeah, I, I still start him at left back as good as Costa Simicas has been. I think Robertson defensively still has the edge on Simicas. And if we're if we're going to stick with the same four three three that Klopp's used, probably Fabinho is de- well, not probably definitely Fabinho is going to start as the starting number six. Yeah, and then Thiago as a left sided number eight. And then the right sided num- number eight. I think that's another position to debate. Jordan Henderson does he start? He, obviously, he provides that leadership that Klopp loves. Uh, energy, but uh, it was a bit uh, disappointing when you're playing that most attacking right-sided eight role, and he only came up with, I think, two goals and six assists in the Premier League last season. That that I think you need a bit more productivity for that that role. So I think Henderson will start most of the games, but I can see Harvey Elliott, Fabio Cavallio, uh especially starting starting their fair share as well. Um, and then the front three will be, I think, Luis Diaz on the left. I think he looked a very good signing coming in in January and he settled immediately to the pace of the Premier League. Um, he's providing that kind of 1v1 dribbling that Mane used to provide. Um, so, yeah, he'll start on the left. I think, obviously, Darwin up top and um, Mo Sadar off the right-hand side. Uh, yeah, we actually had the same the same points of debate uh, that Raj brought up. It was the right-sided centre-back role and, and the right-sided central midfielder. Uh, obviously, the rest of the team is the set. We've used league ratings, I should say, from last season. Um, so we had Alisson in goal, uh, Alexander Arnold right back, Van Dyke left centre back, Robertson left back, and we've got Joel Matip as the centre back uh, that completes that. He was actually one of the top rated centre backs in the Premier League last season for good reason. He was terrific. But as Raj said, there, there was a bit of a, a changing of the guard towards the end of last season where Canate got the, the nod in the big games, um, but obviously he didn't play enough for that rating to really challenge Matip. Uh, and then in the midfield, we've got Fabinho um, and Thiago. And then we've actually, this is obviously never going to happen, but we've got Fabio Carvalho as as the right-sided midfielder in that front three. Um, he obviously had a terrific campaign in the championship, but there's no way that Klopp's going to pick a 19-year-old over Jordan Henderson, at least right away. Um, but that's interesting that he does he does get that role. And we've spoken about him. And as Raj said earlier in the pod, it's those third-man runs that he makes into the box that could be quite important down the line, particularly if you see... Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes operating and sort of more on that left side of that of the penalty box. There will be space for someone to push on. I mean, that's probably more suited to his game than Jordan Henderson's. And in the front three was exactly the same. We had uh, Salah, Nunez and Diaz. Have they got, have they got the depth? Because that, that best 11, it, it kind of picks itself. That's not an insult because it, it's a great 11. But I feel like when you're picking Man City's 11, you'd have more mm. combination. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one there because... If you'd have picked Liverpool's best front three last season with the options they had, I think it would have been a lot harder. But now I'm, I, I kind of think again, it, it kind of picks itself. It's, it's difficult as well, isn't it? Because you, we're, the Liverpool seems to be pl- play, which is great, seems to be placing a lot of, of faith in some of their younger players. But it's just how they develop this season. Is Harvey, are have Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho, Curtis Jones, are they all going to kick on at the same time? Will only one of them kick on? They're obviously placing a lot of faith in that. Um, and they got rid of, well, they let Divock Origi go, who obviously is a bit, of, a bit of an icon for Liverpool fans. Minamino had his moments in the Cups as well. He's gone. So they are relying on youth a lot, which is fantastic. But obviously it comes with its gamble. The next section we're going to do is the player to watch, where we each pick one player to watch for the 22-23 season for Liverpool. Raj, I'll come to you first, because I need to give myself a little bit of thinking time. Who are you going for? So, yeah, I've met, I mentioned him already. I think Ibrahim Konate is my one to watch this season. I think 
I think he will start more games this season in Premier League. And I think this is a bold shout, but I think he's going to be regarded as one of the best centre-backs in Europe by the end of the season. I think he's got pretty much everything. Aerial, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So I think he's got aerial dominance. He's got pace. He's strong as an ox. But also, I don't think he's overly reliant on that. I think someone like Dale Upamecano, who used to be his teammate at Leipzig, you've seen him rely too much on those physical trades. I think Canate is the opposite. He He's more a specialist in reading the game. I think he's often positioned in the right place at the right time. And I mentioned before in the Champions League final, I think his performance against Vinicius was particularly impressive. I think obviously Trent sometimes caught up field. Canate narrowed that gap between the right back and the centre back. And he, he really stopped Vinicius from causing much trouble on the ball. Uh, obviously, he did score in the end, but that was more down to Trent and Van Dijk and Robertson. But he had a few runs in that inside left channel, but Canate came across immediately and shut him down. Um, so, yeah, I, I, he is my one to watch, I think, this season. I'm in the same position, but a different player. And this is entirely folk from an England perspective. But I would love to see Joe Gomez come back into the fold um, and re-establish himself alongside Van Dijk. I still think that that Gomez-Van Dijk partnership's probably been the best under under clock but Gomez has just had a terrible time of injuries um but I, uh, but I just feel that because no one's come in for him that we know of with any firm interest in a World Cup year then I'm hoping that he, there's he's been told that there's a, a, a clean slate for him this summer and that he can try and re-establish himself I think it's going to be tough Canate obviously had a great debut season but in that 1920 season when Liverpool were miles clear I think 18 points clear of Manchester City that season um they started 22 league games together. They won 19 and the aggregate scoreline across those games was 52 to 17 in Liverpool's favour. So for England's sake, I hope it's Joe Gomez. Well, he's my player to watch, but I'm not entirely confident that that's going to come true. You've yeah, picked a yeah, player Josh, to watch. You, it probably won't. But... <laughs> I think you're right there though, Josh. The reason he's staying is interesting. He might have been promised a bit more game time. As you said previously, Matip and Canate kind of were in sharing their minutes quite a lot in that right side centre-back role. So hopefully Gomez, if he doesn't get ahead of Canate, hopefully he can get ahead of Matip at least and get those minutes because I think, my personally, Joe Gomez, John Stones is the best England centre-back partnership. That, uh, we've seen him a few times against Brazil, Germany, Croatia in the Nations League match, I think it was in 2018 when we got to the final. I think those two are the most proactive, best ball-playing centre-backs. So, yeah, as I say, for England's opening in the World Cup, those two would be, I'll put my faith in those two. Hopefully, Gomez can get the game time. And Gomez, obviously, he, he got his game time at the end of last season at right-back, but obviously Liverpool have now signed another right-back. So, you imagine that his only game time would be at centre-back. So let's hope. I feel like choosing Matip just because you two have both chosen a right side <laughs> centre back, and then if I choose Matip, we can see who plays the most games at the, at the end of the It'll season. Be but Netflix, I'll, I'll go for I'll go for Luis Diaz just because he hit the ground running straight away. It was so so good. So you can imagine with a full preseason, a full Klopp preseason behind him as well, he's going to be even even more ferocious in the season mm-hmm. to come. So I'll go I'll go for Luis Diaz. I'll go against the grain and not pick a centre back. Expectations then for the twenty two twenty three season. Raj, what are you expecting? What are you hoping for? So I think when you've got a team as good as Man City you're competing against, you can't really say you expect the league title. The, the, as we said, the margins are just wafer thin between the two teams in three seasons now uh, in the Premier League. There's been a couple of points uh, separating them, or two seasons there's been a, a, a point separating them. Um, I, I think Liverpool, all you can say is they need to take the title challenge to the end. I do think they'll feel, uh, fall short uh, personally just in second place. As I said, I think City have addressed their main weakness, having that focal point goal scorer. Liverpool haven't with the midfield. Um, so, yeah, I can only say second place. And, and again, another deep Champions League run. Um, 
Uh, but I do think City have the edge with what they've done in the transfer market. Even the, as you mentioned before, the Calvin Phillips signing to replace Fernandinho—that's another upgrade for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, 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 I think City are still in pole position. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go for second as well. It's it's you know they didn't win it last season, and Man City look like they're going to be even more even more fearsome this season. It's, they're going to be tough to beat. Liverpool going to have to have an impeccable record, I think, to, to keep up with Man City again. And it it's tough, but you know. They do it, don't they? they? They do it more often than not. So it'll probably go all the way again. But I think, like you, Manchester City are just a little bit stronger than Liverpool. Josh? Uh, I've got second place as well. I think it's actually over the last four seasons, I think the two teams are only separated by a point. So the cum- the cumulative points totals over the last wow. four seasons, I think they're only, they're only separated by a point. So they keep pushing and pushing each other all the way. But yeah, second place for Liverpool, I feel. We'll finish then with a Q&A section. And question one has come from Palash Singh. Will there be any major changes to our tactics, Raj, given the lack of creativity in midfield? So the 4-2-3-1, it has been used on a few occasions by Klopp. With the personnel mm. that they've got there now, there could be a case for playing it again. Yeah, I mean, we even saw it in the Champions League final when um, uh, Liverpool fell behind. Firmino came on, created a front four. Firmino's a number 10. Uh, Mane up front, uh, Jot on the left, Sal on the right. So we, it's possible that that could happen again. I would be interested in maybe looking at a 4-4-2 as well. I think Salah alongside Nunez in a front two might work well with Diaz wide left in a 4-4-2 and maybe Elliot or even someone like uh, Carvalho or Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right-hand side of the 4-4-2. And I think Salah actually had a very similar partnership to the one you can imagine with Nunez when he played with Eddie Dzeko at Roma. He used him as a kind of a combination man, playing quick one-twos off him. Um, and, and just using him as a big man to hold the ball up as well. We've seen glimpses of that with Salah and Origi as well. They combined for a few goals last season like that. So that, I think that could be an interesting option for Liverpool. And also, if you look at Luis Diaz, before he came to Liverpool at Porto, he did excel on the left side of a 4-4-2 as well. So that's Liverpool's last two attacking buys maybe being suited to that system. Um, so, yeah, may, maybe that could be an interesting one to watch. I wasn't expecting that point, but you to be fair, you've backed it up pretty well, Raj. Josh, do you have any thoughts? Uh, who would who would you feel would be the the right midfielder in a four four two? Who do you think best so, suits that? I think Harvey Elliott probably was the one one I was looking at. I think obviously he's he's a left foot two player. I think um, he can cut inside and create from that area. And then you've got Trent Alexander Arnold on the overlap. So yeah, maybe that that could be a dynamic to look at. Interesting. Question two, we've kind of already covered, but we'll, we'll just go over it a little bit again. It's from Samuel Parkinson. Will Canate now take over as Van Dyke's main partner? I have a thought, not that this Q&A was for me at all. I think pre-World Cup, before the break, I think in the group stage, I think Matip will play the Champions League games and Canate will play mm. the league games. I think that'll be a, a little bit of a switch to what there was last season. Would you be happy to say that, Raj? Yeah, I think that's fair enough because obviously the Champions League games pre the World Cup aren't as important as the knockout ones. So maybe that's... Quick succession as well this time. Oh yeah, that's very true. They're cramming in a lot, aren't they, before the World Cup. So yeah, no, yeah, I think that you might be right with that one, actually. Thank you very much, Raj. Nice to be be right every now and again, but we will see. Question three is from M. Garley. What type of midfielder perfectly fits in a Klopp system? I presume this means... To play as a number eight, I would assume, because Fabinho's got the, the holding midfielder role covered. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. I, I, I'll give a name first before I, I'll give some traits. I think Jude Bellingham. I think this guy is just 
absolutely tailor-made for the Klopp system. I think what Klopp wants, especially from that right-sided uh, midfielder, uh, he wants energy. That's first and foremost. He needs a guy who helps press from the front, helps that front free press, but also can trap back and cover Trent, for example, in, in those right-back slots. So you need a guy who can get up and down the pitch. Jude Bellingham's definitely that. But also, I think to take... Uh, Liverpool to the next level. He needs someone who can contribute in the final third, can get goals, has has a technical ability in tight spaces to get assists. I think Bellingham can do that as well. So I think he is the clock midfielder who, who and Liverpool should definitely be looking at him, whether it's this season or next summer. Well, question four is about a current Liverpool midfielder. It's come from Elliot. Some fans are still not convinced of Naby Keita. Has he improved? If so, which areas has he improved in, Rush? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Naby Keita, he splits a lot of the Liverpool fan base in half, to be honest. Uh, I think his last season actually was his most impressive one. Um, he stayed more, he stayed away from injuries more than usual. That's not saying much because he was an injury pro before. But still, I think he had an impact in that. And I think his best role was on that left-hand side of the midfield uh, as a kind of deputy to Thiago. He's probably not good enough to start. I don't think he suits that attacking right-sided eight role at the best, for example. I don't think he's got the physicality to get up and down the pitch, as I explained before. But in that left-sided eight role, I think he can control games with his ability and possession. He's a decent passer of the ball. He can carry the ball forward, similar to Thiago. And defensively, he, he is fairly clever in the way he can position himself next to Fabinho. So, yeah, I'd say he, ha- he had his best season and, and I, that's why I'd be using him. Naby Keita and Thiago in rotation on that left-hand side. And because they're both injury-prone, that might actually get the best out of them fitness-wise as well if they can share that playing load. Yeah, it feels like he popped up with a few more important goals last season than he, than he had done in previous campaigns. Josh, of who scored? Got any any data? On this, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but was he, was he improved overall last season compared to his other seasons? Well, he only featured in um, 35% of the season, so, which isn't obviously isn't great. Uh, I just think the problem for Naby Keita is he just can't play, just can't get that run of games under his belt. And I think we saw when, when, when he did have when he did play a num- certain number of games, that's when we got the best of him. Which obviously sounds silly to say: the more you play, you have match rhythm, match rhythm and you'll be better. Um, but yeah, he did actually score more goals last season. Uh, than he has in any other season for Liverpool, but that's just because he played um, the most games since his debut campaign. But yeah, uh, sharing the workload is probably the the best way to go and try and keep him fitter for longer, but it just probably means you won't get to see the best of him. It doesn't always work like that. Martin appeared in more podcasts than most people last season, but he still, you know, he didn't really get himself going at any point, even though he was on most weeks. So it doesn't, it doesn't always work. It doesn't work in every facet of life, that's for sure. That does us for this week's Edge of the Box. So, of course, we've previewed Liverpool today. We're going to be doing Tottenham on Monday the 11th and Manchester City on Friday the 15th, and then we'll move on to the other big six teams after that. So keep your eye out for when those videos are coming out. If you subscribe to the channel, you'll find out exactly when they do come out because you'll get a little notification on your phone or whatever device you are using to access YouTube. Nothing else to say, really, other than stay safe. Stay safe.